The Lord is certainly the way. The Lord said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. So great job, guys. Thank you very much. Just give our praise team a hand. They do a great job every week. Well, mothers, happy Mother's Day to you. And I look out over our congregation today and I see a lot of mothers out there. And, and I hope and pray that you're able to enjoy this day and realize what a blessing that you are uh, to all of us. And uh, thank God for our moms. We've got a gift that we're going to give you here in just a moment. But before we pass out this gift, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. And this is just in, in honor and reverence to our mothers out of Proverbs 31. The Bible says, Who can find a capable wife? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of his life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her servants. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all of her household is doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments and she delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing and she can laugh at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her sons rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women are capable, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. There's really not enough that we could say about our mothers. And um, thank God for godly mothers. And thank God for all you mothers that are part of Victory Church here and for everyone that is here today. And, and you really do make up the heartbeat of the home, which makes up the heartbeat of the church. And so mothers, thank you so much uh, for just being a godly mother. And uh, we want to honor you today. For all of our mothers, our guys have got some things we want to give you. We just want to give all of our mothers just a little, a small gift and this is just a, a token of our appreciation to you. And uh, it's a little uh, <clears throat> daily inspiration for mothers. And it's not dated, so you can use it uh, for many years to come. And put it on your desk at the office. Put it in your home, in the kitchen, uh, by your nightstand, wherever it is that, uh, that you want to place this. Just a little something to, uh, to help inspire our mothers and just something from us to say thank you. And uh, we appreciate all of our moms today. So they're passing out these gifts this morning. And uh, as soon as they get done with that, we're going to have all of our mothers stand, okay? So if you're a mom here and you did not receive one of these, hold your hand up. We don't want to leave any mothers out. We've got some on the far left side over here. <clears throat> Everyone, all the mothers, get one. Hold your hand up if you did not receive one. Just got a couple, and I think we've got them all. Okay, great. Let's have all of our mothers stand. And all of our moms, we want to say Happy Mother's Day to you. Let's give our moms a hand. All right. Thank you for all that you do. And I heard D.L., I read that D.L. Moody said, I was reading one of his sermons, and he said, the hand that rocks the cradle moves the world. And that's certainly true, you know. Uh, these children that these mothers are raising will certainly influence and give direction to the world uh, that we're even in today in the world to come. And uh, so thank God for godly, godly mothers. Take out your sermon notes, if you will, please. And today I want to just bring you a, uh, a message on the subject of parenting. And we've been talking about what the Bible has to say about a lot of different issues and subjects, and we've covered many of them. Uh, so today we want to talk a little bit, since it's Mother's Day, about what does the Bible have to say <clears throat> about 
parenting, okay? Before I actually do that, I see Kate here on the front row, and, and uh, Kate has worked extremely, extremely hard uh, to get his nursing degree, and uh, he yesterday had his commissioning service in the Navy. I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Kate. I asked him what his rank was and what he was, and I've just now got the terminology of the Air Force guys down pat, and he throws something brand new. I'd never heard it until today, and I asked him to spell it. I couldn't even understand what he was saying, but an ensign? He is an ensign. Stand up, Cade. Let's give Cade a hand. You look sharp, brother. God bless you. I know you've worked really, really hard for this, and, and uh, congratulations, brother. God bless you. Ensign Liebhardt. Is that how you say it? Ensign? Okay. Rest of you military guys, you know what an ensign is? I guess you do, don't you? Paul, Paul knows. Paul, uh, Paul's an old Coast Guard guy, and so those Coast Guard Navy guys kind of hang, hang pretty tight together. Uh, but God bless you, Kate, and uh, you look sharp today, man. I'm glad you wore a uniform in here today, and congratulations. a great... You, mom, 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 he listened to Mother this morning, and uh, so good job. Hey, uh, Lacey also walked the stage yesterday at college and got her degree and the job that we've been praying for, she got. So congratulations, Lacey. That's awesome to see um, uh, to see you guys excel like that. And we've got our high school graduation to come here in the next week or two. But congratulations on you guys and your college degrees and, and, uh, and getting that job, Lacey. We've been praying that, that the Lord just open up the door so you get that job. And, and uh, we need to pause from time to time and just praise the Lord for answering our prayer. Do we not? A lot of times we don't pause to celebrate. So let's give the Lord another praise offering. He's certainly worthy. Thank God for that. It's good to have Paul's dad down visiting as well, and glad he's in our service today. Take out your sermon notes, if you will, please, and we're going to talk a little bit about parenting. And we've been looking into, into the Word of God and seeing what the Bible has to say about uh, a, a numerous different events or, or subjects or questions that, that we may have. We've talked a little bit about loneliness to see what the Bible had to say about loneliness. We've discovered what the Bible has to say about worry. Uh, we've discovered what the Bible has to say about stress. Let's see, what else? We discovered what the Bible had to say about hell. And that was not an easy one to preach, but it certainly speaks a lot about hell. We discovered what the Bible had to say about heaven. And we unpacked some of that yesterday. But today we want to look at what the Bible has to say about parenting. And talk a little bit about parenting. Since it's Mother's Day, uh, I just want to bring out some, uh, some biblical truths and principles from God's Word to help us as we parent our children. And I'll be the first one to tell you that parenting is not easy. I guess every parent could say that, huh? Boy, it's just not easy, is it? Uh, you know, we love our kids. We want what's best for them. We want to do right. And many times we'll question ourselves whether we're doing the right thing or not. And, and uh, we just got to get back to the rule book. A lot of times people make the comment, and they'll say, boy, when, when I had this child, it just didn't come with any instructions. It didn't really come with a, a, a manual on how to raise kids. Well, that child may not have physically come with a manual, but every single one of us have one. It's, it's called the Bible. This is God's manual for you in raising, and for me, in raising our children. Now today in this message, I've preached a whole series of messages on parenting and you can get those out of the archives, but I'm not going to be able to unpack everything that the Bible has to say about Christian parenting. But I do want to pull a few principles out and a few verses of scripture and just elaborate on some of those as we think about parenting our children and what does the Bible have to say about that. One of my favorite verses of scripture is in Psalm 127 and verse number 3. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. <laughs> hey, parents, moms especially, <clears throat> let me encourage you to remember that verse, especially when you may be going through a difficult time with your children or there may be a little strife in the home. Just let me remind you that those children that you have, they are a gift from God and they are a reward. And we see the Bible says that. Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. Last Sunday morning, we had our baby dedication service and I read to you out of 1 Samuel about Hannah and how Hannah prayed for a child. She prayed for a baby. But there's two things that I believe Hannah understood about her baby son, Samuel. The first thing she understood, that he was a gift from God. And we got to understand that our children are a gift. 
Amen? A gift from the Lord, a blessing from God. The second thing that Hannah understood about baby Samuel and how God answered her prayer, not only was he a gift, but secondly, that he was something that she was to steward or manage or supervise. you got to understand something, guys. All of our kids, really, in all reality, are just on loan from God to us. They're His, right? They're a gift that He's given us. And what He wants us to do is steward those children and raise them up in the ways of the Lord so that when they become adults, that God can use them in the kingdom work. Not even when they're adults. When they're teenagers, God can still use them. But it's all about God's kingdom work. And Hannah realized that young Samuel was not only a gift, but was also a steward. In all reality, moms and dads, you know what you should be doing? You should really be working yourself out of a job. Now, I know we all need our moms when, when we get to be adults and, and this and that, but I'm talking about just the daily things. You know, we're, we're to raise our children to be independent. We're to raise them to think on their own and go on their own and do on their own and follow the leadership of the Lord. And, and really, in all reality, and I know it never really happens but we're really to be working ourselves out of a job. I mean, we want them to, to have, be less dependent on us as moms and dads, right? I mean, really. We want them to learn to depend on God. That's kind of a weak amen. Thank you, Sister June, for that amen, though. But that was kind of weak. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want my kids to, go, to defend for themselves when they get older. Eh? Amen? Tyler, I love you some, and I'm looking forward to the day you get yourself a J-O-B in education and provide your own house and car for yourself and your family. Right? I mean, I'm going to do the best I can while I got you. I'm going to take care of you. But my job is to raise you up so that God can use you and you go out there and raise up the next generation and so forth and so on. Hello? Is that good? Pre- I don't know if that's good preaching. I don't know how you guys are receiving that. You know, I told my wife the other day, I said, listen, honey, when it's all said and done, it's just going to be me and you on the front porch, baby, so you better start paying attention to daddy. (laughs) Hey, the kids are going to be gone one of these days, and and I'm all you got, baby. This is it. I'm sorry, but this is it, you know? But the Bible tells us that our kids are a gift, and we need to look at our children as a gift from the Lord. May May I encourage you, moms and dads, to never view your children as mistakes or accidents or oopses or, wow, sure didn't plan this one. And, you know, no, no. God knew the children that he was going to give you before you were even formed, before you were even born, before the world was even created. You see, I don't believe there are any accidental children. I don't care how they're conceived. Hello, church? You agree with me? Sometimes we get a little judgmental right here and want to step back on our Holy Ghost hills and and point fingers at people. Listen, there are no accidental children. There may be some accidental parents, but there's no accidental children. Hello? God plans and God knows every single child that's going to be born into this world, whether they're healthy, whether they have some type of uh, of handicap. God knows. And every single child that's ever born into this world is here for a reason and here for a purpose. I don't care what it is. You know, a lot of times, and Sister Nancy, I know you won't mind me using this, but I look at you and Jeff. And I want you to look right now at Jeff. He's kissing mom. Look at that. Is that not sweet? Let me tell you what Miss Nancy does every, every single Sunday morning. And there may be a few times where she cannot, but as much as she can, you know where she does? She goes to the home where Jeff is over in, in Lebanon, and she picks him up, and she brings him to church every single morning. And you know what? I look forward to seeing Jeff in church every single Sunday. <laughs> Amen. Jeff is not an accident. Jeff is here for a reason. And Jeff is serving his purpose that God had planned for whatever reason. And we got to understand that our children are a gift from the Lord. And I don't care if they ever make it to be the president of the United States or drive a garbage truck. It's totally irrelevant to me. Our children are a gift from the Lord. Amen? Psalm 137 teaches, or 127 teaches us that. But every child is unique. I want you to look in Psalm 139, verse 13 through verse 16. 
The psalmist said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. And every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Guys, do you understand that there is not one verse in the Bible that would allude to your child being a mistake or your child being an accident. But I can give you verse after verse after verse in the Word of God where God knew you before you were ever conceived in the womb. He knew exactly who you were going to be. He knew exactly what He was going to call you to be. He knew that some would have a head full of hair and Cade the rest of us would be bald-headed. I mean, God knew all of that. Amen? We don't have any mistakes. You're not raising any mistakes. You're raising a gift from the Lord. And that brings with it a tremendous amount of responsibility as on us as parents. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I feel the load of that responsibility from time to time. And I'm like, my soul, and sometimes I'll go to God in prayer and I'll say, God, I hope I made the right decision. I felt like I followed your leadership. Lord, just help me. Give me wisdom. Hello? I wonder how many of us doubt ourselves from time to time. Probably every single one of us, if we'll be perfectly honest. But we, that's when we just need to go to God. I mean, He gave us the gift. He knew who they were. We may look at the quirks and different things about our home. My goodness, what in the world? God, that's how God formed them. That's how God created them. And what we need to do is raise them in the nurture of the Lord. Another one of my favorite verses is Proverbs 22 and verse number 6. Let's read this verse together. The Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now let's read that verse again out loud, really strong together. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is a key passage of Scripture. But I want you to understand something about this verse. This particular verse is not a catch-all verse. This particular verse is not even a a cookie-cutter mold of a verse. We can't take this verse and apply it to all of our children. I want you to notice a key... Now, it is a precious promise. I believe it's a promise in the Word of God. And there's some theologians that differ on whether it's a principle or a promise. I believe it's a promise. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. I believe that's a promise that we have from the Lord. And I'm going to exercise and believe that promise by faith. But I want you to look at the key word in that verse. What would you think the key word is? Train? No. Up a child in the way? No. All of those are important. Training a child in the way? What would the way be? Jesus said, I am what? The way. Training up my kids in the way of the Lord. But in the way that what? Right there's your key word. In the way he should go. I want you to understand, in raising our children, we do not have a cookie cutter mold. and We can't go to Proverbs 22.6 and pull that out and say, boom, there it is. That's what I did for the first one. That's what I'll do for all of them. If you do that, you're going to do an injustice to your children. Why? Because I just read to you out of Psalms 139 that every one of our children are unique. God was uniquely forming them in the womb. So therefore, we cannot take this verse and let it be a catch-all for parenting or let it be a cookie-cutter mold in raising and parenting our children. What we've got to do is train up our child in the way that that particular child is to go. Now, God has a will for everyone. God has a plan for everyone. God has a purpose for everyone. Would you agree that your children are a little bit different? 
If you have two, I promise you, they're as different as day and night. If you have three, I, I don't know, I can't make any promises there. I only have two. But if you have three, I'd almost guarantee that the three are completely different. If you have four or however... Matter of fact, we just read in the paper, in the Belleville News Democrat yesterday. Did you see that article in the paper? That lady that is it in Arkansas? I forget what state she was in. I'm looking for some help here. Was it Arkansas? Arkansas? 18? Was it 18? Seven has 17. One on the way. Wow. 18 children. Can you imagine? Woo! I told my wife, I said, hmm, they're going to get one big stimulus check. <laughs> Can you imagine the tax write-off they get every year? <laughs> wow! Can you believe that? I'd like to sit down and talk with that couple. I'd love to sit down and talk with that mom and that dad. And one of the questions I would ask them, are any two children the same? I'd love to ask that question. I'd love to hear from somebody that has, hey, I've got 17 kids and I can tell you this. I'd love to hear that. Maybe there's some way we can contact her, email. You, you find out, let me know. But I'd love to ask. Or they'd say, here's what I'm almost, if I was a betting man, I'd lay down some money right here and I'd almost bet and say, you know what? I guarantee you, every one of them is different. What I can see in families, and as I've been ministering to family for nearly 20, right at 20 years now, I've come to notice that all of our kids are different. Yes, they're living under the same roof. They have the same mom and dad. You know, today I was going to, the Renfro family is gone, and I was going to bring up Philip and Daniel, and I was going to show you a set of twins. Now, if you didn't know they were twin brothers, you wouldn't even know they were brothers at all if someone didn't tell you simply by the way they look. They're completely different the way they look. I mean, their whole mindset's different. Their, their way, I mean, they're just different. It doesn't matter. We're all different. Every child is unique. And we need to take this verse and apply it to each individual child and not take a cookie-cutter approach to it, but raise up that child in the way that child should go. Raise up this child in the way that that child should go because they're all different. With that being said, there are some general principles or some general ideas and habits that we should develop and incorporate in parenting our children. Let me give you about uh, five or so here that I want to cover with you quickly this morning. Now, here's a few habits that will help us in raising our children and parenting our children. And, and these are just kind of some general principles and some I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring scripture into them or wrap it up with, a, with a, a great parenting passage of scripture out of the book of Deuteronomy. But I want you to look at this one. Communicate. Communicate. I think uh, my fingers got messed up. I spelled communicate on the screen wrong, I believe. But here's what we need to do. We need to communicate and demonstrate a genuine interest in what goes on in the life of our children. Now that's important. We need to communicate and we need to demonstrate a genuine interest. Moms and dads, be involved in what goes on in your kids' lives. Hello? Have a genuine concern and interest and talk to them as much as you can. Talk to them about what's going on in their life. Be genuinely concerned. Let me tell you something that, that our kids need to know. They need to know that we love them. More than anything else in the world, they need to know that mom and dad, you love your children. And you may say, well, I show them I love them all the time. I put food on the table, that shows them I love them. I got a roof over the head, that shows them I love them. I put clothes on the back, that shows them I love them. I bought them a new iPod or whatever, that shows them I love them. In your way of thinking, that is showing that you love. But in your children's way of thinking, that's not showing love. Let me tell you what, what tells your children you love them. It's a four-letter word called T-I-M-E. What tells your children that you love them is you spending time with them. Okay? Whether it's taking them out to eat, whether it's helping them look, buy clothes or do something, or, or going to, the, to their ball games, or, or going to their events, or going to their concerts, or band concerts, or their recitals, whether it be dance recital, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever they're doing, you show them you love them by spending time with them. Hello? Spending time with our kids. Let me tell you something that I have discovered. I have discovered 
I have discovered, you see, when I'm parenting, my kids are sitting back, they're critiquing me, you know, I'm going I'm to... I'm going to hear all this when I get home. And that's kind of just being a preacher's family. You, you, you wouldn't understand, okay? But we got to spend time with our kids. Spend time with them. And here's something I've discovered. As they get older, and their lives get busier and busier and busier. I mean, there's times when it seems like we're just, we all live under the same roof. And we'll spend three or four hours together sleeping, you know, kind of under the same roof. But we're just passing in and out of the garage or in and out of the hallway and in and out of the front door. And and life just gets busy. And I don't know if there's anything we can really do to stop that. But there is something we can do to still show our kids that we love them by spending time with them. Here's what you got to do, moms and dads. You've got to put it in the planner. You've got to schedule some time to spend with your kids. You need to get your kids' planner scheduled planner listen to me a lot of them have them anymore get their schedule and put it in your schedule and be sure you're there with them at their events and what's going on in their life and then talk to them about their events whether it be a ball game whether it be cheerleading in my case whether it whether it be a, 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 a ballet recital or 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 a band concert and we, we've all been at those things but what does that do that tells your child that you love them you see, I remember when, back when I was in high school, and I've shared this with, with Tyler many different times. I remember back when I was in high school, when I played football, you know, when I looked through the stands, there were some people that I looked for intentionally on the sideline. They didn't really know I was looking. You know, I'm doing my macho thing out there, you know, doing the football thing. I don't need mom and dad. You know how we are. Hello? But there was somebody that I wanted to see where they were. Now, at our football stadium... You had to get reserved seating if you wanted a, reci- a seat. And thousands and thousands showed up for our football games. And there was reserved seating from the 40 to the 40. And that was only people that could sit there are parents of kids playing football. That's all they could sit there. But they had to purchase and buy their season tickets to get their spot in order to get at that seat. So I knew exactly where the season tickets were for my mom and dad. I knew where their spot was and where they would be every single Friday night at a home football game. And as I was out on the field doing the warm-ups or walking up and down the sideline, occasionally my eyes would get up there and I was looking for mom and dad to be in the stands. Now, I didn't really tell them that while I was playing football. You know, we got our own macho thing going and we kind of act like we don't. Your kids need you. They may never admit it. I didn't really admit it when I was a teenager. And they may be chuckling right now. I don't need to make it on my own kind of mindset I had too but in the back of my mind I wanted to know they were there you know I may not run to them for every little thing but I just needed to know they were there and they were there and after the football games I remember that that we would talk and after ball games we would talk or after events we would talk and whatever it was I remember at my baptism my parents were there that was a big day in my life When I got baptized and I looked out through the crowd and there was mom and dad. You know, mom and dad, be there for your kids. Be there. Communicate and demonstrate a genuine interest in what goes on in their life. And when they talk to you, listen. Boy, that's a big one. Listening's hard work, is it not? Now here's something else that I've discovered. They don't always want to talk when I want to talk. You know, have you discovered that? Especially with teenagers. They don't always want to talk when you want to talk. So what do you got to do, moms and dads? Whenever you find them in a, in, a, in, a, in a mindset when they want to talk, you stop whatever it is you're doing and you make room for them to talk. And you listen. Hello? Now that's not always easy to kind of figure that out. Because we've got our to-do list and we're so task-oriented and we've got things we've got to go through and things we've got to get done. And I mean, i got to do this today. But if your child comes up and they just want to talk and they may not come and say, hey, I need to spend 30 minutes and talk with you. They're not going to do that. They're not going to say that. But they're going to start talking. And you got to, a lot's got to go off. you got to think, man, they're, they're going to talk. Hello? <laughs> We're going to talk. And you create their... Just communicate and demonstrate a genuine interest in what goes on in their life. Second thing, number two, love and accept your children unconditionally. 
love and accept them unconditionally. A lot of times we think that love is a feeling. Don't, don't get love mixed up with emotions. You know what? Love is a choice. And there's going to be times when you may not feel like your kids love you. And there's going to be times when you may not feel like you love your kids. Hello? Love's not a feeling. Don't wait on feelings. Love is a choice. And love really becomes a habit. I'm going to choose to love. That's my son. That's my daughter. I'm going to love them. I don't care what they do in their life. I'm going to love them. It's a choice. So don't sit around and wait for to, until you feel like you're being loved. And I've seen some parents do that. Well, I just don't feel like my kids love me. Well, get over it. Join the rest of the parents in the United States of America and around the world. Hello? It's not about feeling. It's about giving. It's about choosing to invest in them. It's about choosing to love them. It's about choosing to spend time or money or both or whatever on them. I am going to love them unconditionally. You need to let whatever it is that you communicate to your kids, you need to let them know that your love for them is unconditional. It's not based on their performance. It's not based on whether they're a star athlete. It's not based on whether they're an academic scholar. It's not based on whatever achievements that we like to pin on our kids today. Matter of fact, the book of 1 Corinthians or Corinthians talks about they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. In other words, I think it's foolish and the Bible says it's foolish for you to compare one child against another. Hello? Hello? Listen. The love for our kids needs to be unconditional. And we don't need to let them go out there and feel like they've got to prove themselves to us so that they can receive our love. It's unconditional. I'm going to love you regardless. If you mess up, I'm going to love you. I'm going to beat you, but I'm going to love you. (laughs) Hello? Our love is unconditional for our kids. And we need to accept them. Accept them for who they are. Accept them with their successes and their failures. Work them through both of them, but love them unconditionally. Hello? That's good stuff, guys. Here's your third one. Set limitations on your children. Set limitations on you. Remember that all children are unique. They're all different. But we need to set limitations on them. We need to put some limits out there. We need to put the boundaries out there. You know what, guys? Every child that's ever been born, from day one, they've been searching and looking for the boundary. Where's the line? How far can I go? When are you going to say no? And what we'll do, they'll keep pushing, and we'll keep pushing and pushing until we find the boundary. I mean, it starts when they're two-year-olds. You know, we call it the terrible twos. You know what they're in search of? The boundary. They're in search of the limits. They don't know where they are until you put them in place. Matter of fact, the very first two children that were ever created in this world, and we'll call them Adam and Eve. They weren't created as babies. They were created as adults. But they were looking for the boundaries. Lo and behold, they found them. Hello? (laughs) Hello? I mean, they pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. We don't know how long they were in the garden before they took a tree that they were forbidden to to partake of. But eventually they did. They were looking for the boundaries. And every child that's ever been born has been looking for the boundaries. What are the limits? And you need to set the limits on your children. And I promise you this. The limits that you set on your children, because they are unique, will be different. And when they are different... Especially if you have more than one child, or when you definitely have more than one child. If you have two or more children, you've got to realize that that child is different. I'm going to raise this child in the way this child should go. And you should have a plan. You should have put some thought in the way that you're raising your child. You should put some boundaries there. You should already think about what the boundaries are going to be because of the attitude and the mindset and the personality and the, and the makeup of that particular child. That's going to help me set the boundaries on this particular child. But when you do that, have you ever heard little Susie 
say something like this to you, Mom. Well, Mom, Johnny never had that before. Or Johnny gets to do this. Why can't I do that? How many's heard a statement similar to that? Well, why do I have to do this? So-and-so does. I'm talking about their sibling. So-and-so doesn't have to do that. And it causes us to what? To doubt, doesn't it? But you know, that's what we got to call a timeout. We got to huddle. And when I'm talking about the huddle, I'm talking about the holy huddle. You and mama. I mean, mom and dad and, and the Lord. You get aside. It's okay. What's the boundaries here? What are the limits? Are we consistent? Are we doing the right thing? We're taking into consideration their personality. We're taking into consideration where they are in life. We're taking into consideration how old they are. We're taking into consideration their vulnerability. We're taking in all these things in consideration. And we're setting the limits. Now Susie's limits may not be as far out there as Johnny's limits. But they're going to be different. And what you got to be is consistent. Now let me share with you a few guidelines in setting the boundaries. Number one, jot this down. Your guidelines, your limits, your boundaries, they must be clear. The boundaries have got to be clear. You can't draw a fuzzy line out there somewhere. You can't get over into the gray area. It's got to be black or what? The boundaries, the limits have got to be clear. Let me give you a couple examples of some unclear boundaries. An unclear boundary would be something like this. Be home early. Well, that's unclear. It should be be home at 11 or be home at 10 or be home at midnight. Whatever it is, be home at 8 o'clock. Whatever it is for that particular child, that's a limit that is clear. Not be home early. You know what, for me, it's 43 years old, early is getting to be like 8.30. You know, 9 o'clock, I'm like, whoo, actually that's getting to be late for me, I meant to say. That's kind of late, you know. Seems like anymore, good night, it gets to be 9 o'clock and I'm, whoo, that's all I can do to fight through the evening. I don't know what that is. I'm looking for that ultimate energy drink out there, you know. It's going to let me go back to my 20s where I can burn the candle at both ends and get three or four hours sleep. And my I just can't do that anymore. But we've got to have clear boundaries, clear limits. Here's another unclear limit. Don't waste your money. That's, that's unclear. I mean, if you send your child off to the mall and you say, there's some money, don't waste it, don't blow the money, don't waste it all. That's unclear. Here's what you need to do. You've got 10 bucks. That's all you can spend. That's a clear boundary. Or 20 bucks. That's it. That's all you got. For the whole weekend, you get 20 bucks. That's it. Whatever it is in your household. But the boundaries need to be clear. You understand what I'm saying? Here's another unclear boundary. You need to spend more time on your homework. <laughs> yeah, you've really laid the law down, mama. That's such an unclear boundary. Well, you know what? In that child's mind, well, I did. I spent more time on my homework. I had study hall today in school, and I gave my homework 30 minutes of my time. I spent more time on my homework. That's not what you were thinking about, though, was it, mother? Was it, dad? You gave an unclear boundary. What do you need to say? This afternoon, when you get home from school... You're 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. You're doing your homework. You go nowhere until it's done. I'm going to check it. That is a clear boundary. Are you all with me? Some of the kids are saying, oh, no, he's, he's, he's giving out all my secrets. And uh, I'm going to be in trouble. And then I, I feel it. It's coming home. And we need those clear boundaries. So the limits got to be clear. Secondly, you got to customize the limits for each child. They've got to be customized. Every child's different. Train up a child in the way, what? He or she should go. Every child is different. Therefore, the limits, the boundaries are going to be different. You cannot raise all your children the same. You just cannot do it. Everyone is different. I could give you some examples, but I'm not going to do it, so I don't embarrass my kids in any way. But they've got to be, we've got to understand they're different. Okay? So therefore, the limits must be customized. And that's something that you and dad, moms and dads, have got to get off. You know, you've you got to get your game plan together before you get out there in the middle of it. 
And that's where families get in trouble. They don't get together and set any parameters, set a game plan together, do anything together with just mom and dad. And, and then they find themselves in the heat of a situation and having to make a decision. And mom's looking at dad like, what do you say? Dad said, what do you say? And the child's sitting there manipulating the whole thing. Guess who wins in that situation, so to speak? The child. And really, the child's not going to win. He's going to wind up a loser. Because mom and dad didn't put a plan together. Woo! Hello? Customize the limit for each child. Thirdly, be consistent. Because I promise you, once you set the limit, you will be put to a test. It's coming. Get ready. What do you got to do? You got to be consistent. I love what Dr. Dobson had to say about being consistent. He's written it, and I've found this phrase in many, numerous of his, his books. He says this. He says, raising children is like holding a bar of soap. You know, you're in the shower, and you're holding a bar of soap. He says, if you hold it too tight, you're going to squeeze the bar out the top and lose it. If you hold it too loose, you're going to drop the bar of soap, obviously, at the bottom, and lose it. What you've got to have is consistent pressure on the soap to be able to hold it in place. Moms and dads, you got to be consistent. It can't be okay today and not okay tomorrow. Hello? Your kids are going to pick up on that and it's going to cause trouble in your house. You got to be consistent. And, and let me say something else. I'm gonna, that's the consequences. The fourth one, clearly define the consequences of going beyond the limits. And once again, even here, you need to be consistent with your consequences. You see, just because you come home in a bad mood and you're ticked off and you're tired and you're fatigued and you're worried and you're stressed, you let one of them cross the line and they're getting the hammer from mama that day, aren't they? But then another time mom comes home, she's in a good mood, everything went well, or dad, either one, they come home, everything went well, and we'll let them go beyond the limits that day. Why? Because we're in a good mood. What you've done, you've muddied up the water for the kids. Now they don't know where the limit is. They don't know where the lines are. Man, am I sitting in all of our living room or what? Hello? But you've got to let them know what the consequences are. And by the way, there need to be some consequences if they're going to go beyond the limit. Adam and Eve faced some consequences, did they not? What was the consequence? Several, but what were, what were some? What? Somebody say something, I can't hear you. They were kicked out of the garden? Yeah. They weren't able to enjoy the wonderful pleasures that God had in place for them. That was a consequence. So maybe you could kick some of your kids out of the garden. What would be the garden for your kids? Is it PlayStation? Is it their phone? Is it running around with her friends in the park? Whatever it is. What's the more consequences of Adam and Eve? Here's one. They're going to die. <laughs> Maybe you can't bring that into the household, okay? Okay, we'll stop right there. Kick them out of the garden. You can't bring that one in. But here's what you got to do. You got to let them know there's consequences for going beyond the boundary. Now here's some, something else I want to say. Let and be sure. And here's a word of caution with the consequences. Be sure the punishment fits the crime. Because you're going to be handing out consequences of going beyond the boundary and the line really all of their life as children. And if you get so severe because they spilt a drink on the sofa and you told them not to take the soda into the living room... And you're going to be extremely severe. What are you going to do when they do something a lot worse than that? So look at the crime. Look at what's been committed. And let be sure that the punishment fits the crime. Use caution there. Number four, jot this down. Some more guidelines. Meet the material needs of your children. Meet the material needs of your children. I see the kids right now. Yes! <laughs> he got them. Woo, there it is, mom and dad. Meet my needs. Key word, needs. Meet the needs. Not necessarily all the wants. Meet the needs of your children. And we're commanded in Scripture, in 1 Timothy 5 and 8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith 
and is worse than an unbeliever. That's strong. That's strong words there, guys. And therefore, we need to meet the needs of our kids. Meet the material needs of our kids. Philippians 4, 19, And my God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. The Lord's going to meet our needs, and we need to be sure we're meeting the needs of our kids. Number five, and the last one, I want to close with this one. Pass along your faith to your children. Pass along your faith to your children. I think that one's huge. Your primary responsibility as a, as, as a parent is to realize that this child is a gift from God to me. And because he's gifted me, now I have some responsibilities to steward this child. And what God is wanting is a next generation that will serve him and worship him and live for him and give their lives to him. Now, parents, what you need to be doing is passing your faith on to your children. Let me tell you a philosophy that I hear taking place in our culture today. It's, it's nothing new, I don't believe, but it seems to be really out there more than what it was years ago. Well, I'm just going to let my kids find their own way spiritually. I'm just going to let them discover. I'm not going to push Jesus on my kids. I'm not going to push the Bible on my kids. I'm going to let them choose that for themselves. Whatever they want to do, I'm going to let them do spiritually. That's between them and God. You know what you've done? You've opened up the door of your family and you said, devil, come on in and do whatever you want to to my child. That's exactly what you've done. Let me ask you this. You don't use that same reasoning and that same logic academically. You don't say, Johnny, it's Monday morning. I know you've had a long weekend, but I'm going to let you choose whether you want to go to school today or not. The choice is yours. I don't want to push you into this because I don't want to turn you against school. I want you to enjoy it. And I want you to choose it one day on your own. And I want you to live in it on your own one day. And I just want this choice to be yours. Does that sound foolish or what? Huh? Somebody, is that stupid? Talk to me. Everybody say, that's stupid. That is stupid. We won't do that to our kids. You know what we do? We go down there and we kick them out of bed. Hey, you're going to school today. And then when they graduate high school, you know what? Hey, you're going to college. Why? We know how important it is academically to excel and to get an education. Why in the world will we do something as stupid? I'm going to show you my lack of, my lack of intelligence. Stupider. <laughs> Even more stupid than that. On Sunday mornings, we'll ask little Johnny, Johnny, would you like to go to Sunday school today? It's your choice. Or would you like to go fishing with Dad? Well, hello. You know what? You give me that choice as an eight-year-old boy. I'm going fishing with Dad. Is that what's best for me? No. We just said, preacher, you need to, you need to spend time with your kids. Not if it's going to take away their time with God. The most important thing you can pass on to your kids is your faith. Now, let me say something about this. Mom and Dad, do your kids see you living for Christ at home? Do they see Jesus in you at home? In your values and in your decisions and how you're talking about people and places and things or the church or whatever? Do they, do they see Jesus in what you're doing at home? In how you're living out your life? In the values that you have? Decisions that you make? Do they see that that comes from biblical values and core beliefs that we have? Or is that something else out there that they see? You see, it's not enough to tell them. You've got to live it in front of them. And you've got to let them know why you make decisions. In our household, my wife and I, we just, got in, we just, got, we just finished a discussion a little bit on this. We've got to explain why we make a decision the way we make a decision. Because God's Word says this. And we'll be blessed if we do this. We're not going to do that and we are going to do that as a family because God's Word says this or this. 
And you know something else you should do as parents? You should point out whenever you see the consequences of, of, of negate, uh, just neglecting God's word in other people's lives and, and, the, and the mess they get themselves into. You need to take that opportunity as to your children and point out the things where people mess up and say, look, right there they messed up. Not that you're tearing down that person, but they need to see the consequences. And all you have to do is turn the TV on and you can show them consequence after consequence right there every single day on the news. Point out those things. But then on the flip side, on the positive side, when your children, uh, when, when you can show them a positive in someone's life or in, or in the world today or in our culture today about somebody that, that were doing things right and living for God and how God blessed them, you need to sh- turn their eyes to that. And I'm talking about what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and 9. Because there's the scripture for what I just said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Let me break that down for you. There's three different ways we teach and pass on our faith to our kids. The first one, jot this down, is we model. We have that model teaching. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Okay? That's that model teaching. It's to be in our lives. And our kids can see our faith by the way we live, by the things we do. They, they catch us reading our Bible or they, or they catch us praying or they, or they catch us do, going to church. I mean, they see our faith lived out in our lives. Model it. The second way it teaches the formal teaching. Impress them on your, te- on your children. What's that mean? Impress the teaching of the Word of God on your children. Have a time when, 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 when you're teaching them God's Word. And when you have that formal teaching, and, and one of the ways that the church can come alongside you and, and assist you in this is, is you bringing your children to Sunday school and getting them involved in some formal teaching of the Word of God. And then the third way is the informal. Talk about the principles of God's Word at home along the road, as you walk, and when you lie down, when you get up. As you're going through life, point out the principles of God's Word. Point out where the blessings are and point out where the consequences are and point out these things in your children's life as you're walking down the road, when you get up, as you're going through your day, just informally draw their attention to either the blessing or the curse of God on different situations. That's what Scripture says to do. As you're going through life, as you're going down the road, Impress these things on your children. Those are some guidelines, some principles that I think that we can pour from God's Word that can help us in in being Christian parents. Now, are any of us perfect? No. I'll be the first one to tell you that, that I'm not a perfect dad. My children probably say amen right there. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. And my wife's not a perfect mother. And you know what? You're not perfect either. There are none of us that are perfect. None of us have got it all figured out. And none of us have ever raised perfect children. None of us. Have we? Hello? Come on. We don't have perfect kids. We love them. But they're not perfect. But here's some guidelines that we should be using in our kids' lives. 